Hello, and welcome to the History of Japan podcast, episode 239, All in the Family, Part 1. This week, I want to start a short series using a framework that a few of you have suggested. You see, very often on this show, we take looks at what you could call a horizontal slice of history. We discuss what's going on in a fairly broad geographic area over a certain span of time. This week, I want to focus on a vertical slice and try to look at a single place in Japan and its long and tumultuous history. There are, of course, a few places that could be interesting to do this with. Great cities like the port town of Osaka, or the fishing village turned global metropolis of Tokyo. But in terms of both fan interest and quality of available documentation, I think one place really jumps out above the others. So we're going to focus on the history of one of the territories of medieval Japan, Satsuma, and its ruling family, the Shimazu. Now it's important to do two things before we dive in. First, I want to be clear that this will not be an exhaustive political history, or really any kind of exhaustive history, of Satsuma or the Shimazu. Both have a history stretching back nearly 1,000 years, which would make this the most ambitious series in the history of the show, and I don't think the vertical slice model is really tenable in this format, because it would involve reminding ourselves of details related to some of the most complex periods we've covered. Instead, my goal is to think about how this one place and this one family have had such a lasting impact on Japanese history. This series will be an overview of Satsuma history to that effect. Second, I think it's important to spend a little time on the history of what would become Satsuma Domain before it was Satsuma Domain. So, Satsuma was located on the southern tip of Kyushu. If we look at the southernmost of the four main islands, you'll notice that that southern tip has sort of a pincher shape. That pincher shape forms Kagoshima Bay, and the area's chief city of Kagoshima would become the base of the Shimazu clan. The city itself is on the western side of the bay, dwarfed by the massive caldera of the active Sakurajima, Cherry Blossom Mountain, which, like so many mountains in Japan, is still an active volcano. Ash from that volcano made the surrounding fields very fertile, giving the region a very strong agricultural base. Mountains like Sakurajima, which provide volcanic fertilization to the area, also had one other effect. You see, Kyushu, like the other islands of Japan, is quite mountainous, and Kagoshima Bay is on the other end of all these mountains, on an island removed from the heart of early imperial Japan in central Honshu. As a result, Southern Kyushu, including Kagoshima, remained politically independent from imperial rule for far longer than any of the other three main islands. Remember, Hokkaido was not thought of as one of the main islands until the modern era. Southern Kyushu in particular was home to the Hayato, a clan descended at least in part from ancestors that lived in the area for thousands of years prior, and which resisted rule by the Japanese emperors until the 600s far later than most of the rest of Japan. And even after being incorporated into the emperor's domains, the Hayato proved somewhat unruly subjects. They rebelled several times against imperial rule in the 700s, necessitating direct interventions by imperially sanctioned armies to maintain control of the territories. The Hayato are the earliest example of one of the major themes of Satsuma's history. 
The region's geographic remove from the center of Japan proper has always given it both a very distinct culture. Kagoshima dialect Japanese, for example, is utterly impenetrable to a speaker of standard Japanese, and a strong sense of independence. The region has always had one foot out of the proverbial door. There's probably no better indicator of that isolation than the fact that Kagoshima itself is, by Japanese standards, relatively new for a major city. The groundwork for modern Kagoshima was laid in the mid-1000s with the establishment of Tofukuji Castle by one of the early samurai clans, the Hasiba, built alongside a branch of Kasuga Shrine. The main Kasuga Shrine is located in Nara, Japan's first permanent capital. One can't help but read the decision to build the shrine as a deliberate attempt to spiritually connect this remote place in Kyushu back to the center of imperial power via the shrine itself. There were, of course, already people living and farming in the area before Tofukuji Castle brought a permanent imperial garrison to the area. They simply did so without direct oversight from agents of the imperial government. The fortress was, in other words, an attempt to impose imperial power on the region. The settlement remained a relative backwater for a time. It's worth noting, for example, that in the 1200s, the Mongols never considered attacking Kagoshima, even though favorable conditions existed for a naval landing and the area was not well defended. It simply did not matter in the way that the cities of northern Kyushu did. They were far more developed and far better connected to the central government back in Honshu. The family that would put Kagoshima on the map got there about a century after the first stones for Tofukiji were laid. They are the Shimazu clan, and originally they're not from Kyushu, but from Sanuki, one of the pre-modern Japanese provinces that lines up more or less with modern Kagawa prefecture on the island of Shikoku. Before they were called Shimazu, however, the family was known as the Korimune. Their history dates back to the 500s, when they supposedly branched off from one of Japan's older aristocratic families, the Hata. The Hata, in turn, were mythologized as refugees from wars on the Asian mainland. Depending on how conspiratorial you want to get about their origins, they're either a motley crew of aristocrats who fled to Japan, or the last remnants of the aristocracy of China's Qin Dynasty, or an extremely lost tribe of Jews if you really want to dive off the deep end. Anyway, at some point in the misty past, the Koremune branched off from the Hata and settled in Sanuki, eventually developing a distinct family identity. They then relocated to Kyoto, becoming a family of onmyoji, divination practitioners and doctors. In pre-modern Japan, of course, divination and medicine were not incompatible. Our story begins with one family member in particular, Koremune Tadahisa. In addition to his Hata clan pedigree, Koremune Tadahisa was also related to the Konoe, one of the great aristocratic families of Kyoto. The Konoe, in turn, are descended from the old Fujiwara family, whose pedigree goes back to the 600s. So Koremune Tadahisa already had a fairly impressive family background. To add to his stature, it was sometimes rumored that he was actually an illegitimate son of Minamoto no Yoritomo, who the Koremune had taken in, though today that theory is not widely accepted. Tadahisa was born in 1179, making him all of two years old when the Great Genpei War between the Minamoto and Taira clans rocked Japan, and all of six 
when the Minamoto finally crushed the Taira and established their supremacy as Japan's first reigning family of samurai, the first to claim as hereditary the title of shogun. However, despite the fact that he was a very little kid, Tadahisa was considered a loyal friend of the Minamoto. He was technically a gokenin, a personal vassal of the Minamoto family. As such, he was tapped to take control of southern Kyushu, where the Minamoto had few allies and no real presence, and where a branch of the Taira family controlled a decent-sized estate, which was going to need a new landlord now that they were all, you know, dead. And so it was that Korimune Tadahisa was granted a Shoen estate in 1187 along Kagoshima Bay. We haven't talked about these in a long time, so a Shoen, remember, is a sort of private gift of land given by the imperial family, or in this case, given by the imperial family under orders from someone more powerful than them. That land was tax-free and under the control of the owner and his descendants. This particular Shoen was called the Shimazu Sho, and so Korimune Tadahisa would eventually change the family name to Shimazu, and the Shimazu Sho would be the first foothold for a family that would rule the area for just about 800 years. Now, Tadahisa was very much an absentee overlord. He spent his time not in Kyushu, who would want to go to such a backwater place, but in Kamakura, at the capital at the heart of the power of the Minamoto shoguns. In fact, that's where his grave is to this very day. Tadahisa delegated. He sent underlings and vassals to Kyushu to govern in his name, rather than going himself. It would be a half-century of absentee ownership before the Shimazu even arrived in the area officially. They would delegate a series of governors to manage their estate, which fluctuated in size with Shimazu political fortunes, and which originally did not, in fact, include the grounds of modern Kagoshima City, which was in the estate of another family. The Shimazu power base was originally out of the city of Hyuga, on the southeastern coast. What actually got the family to move south was the Mongol invasions, which began in 1274. Those invasions, of necessity, caused the attention of the central government to shift to Kyushu, which all of a sudden was not an unimportant backwater, but the first front in a potentially massive war. The Shimazu were, like many of the other samurai families with holdings in the area, encouraged to relocate and assume direct control over their territories. Starting with the third family head, Shimazu Hisatsune, the grandson of founder Shimazu Tadahisa, the family began to live in Kyushu itself. Hisatsune, by the way, was present at the Second Mongol Invasion. He was one of the lords responsible for managing the building of that fortified wall in Hakata Bay, that did such a good job of warding off a direct Mongol landing, and he led his forces personally alongside his son and successor, Shimazu Tadamune, in defense against Mongol landings in 1281. Hisatsune and Tadamune established the family's martial reputation, one that it would maintain for generations to come. However, it was the fifth Shimazu clan head, Shimazu Sadahisa, who established a family tradition that I think is as important, if not more so, than the family's military reputation. You see, Sadahisa was head of the family in 1333, when Emperor Go-Daigo launched a rebellion against the rule of the Hojo family in conjunction with Ashikaga Takauji, a retainer of the Hojo who turned against the family. 
Sadahisa had the good sense to side with the rebels and turn against the Hojo, and then three years later to side with Ashikaga Takauji when his alliance with the Emperor broke up and the two men turned on each other. Thus began a family tradition for the Shimazu, a long and important one. A skill for reading the political winds and knowing which way to jump at what time. With one notable exception, the Shimazu were pretty good at picking winners, and as a result they were quite talented at acquiring more power and keeping what they had. Really, in the long term, the greatest reason for the family's longevity and power was that they understood how to pick a winner. Sadahisa would stay loyal to the newly declared Ashikaga shoguns, siding against Emperor Godaigo. In the war between the Ashikaga shogun-supported Northern Imperial Court and the rebel Southern Court, the Shimazu were Northern Court all the way. This helped radically alter the family's fortunes. Previously, the Shimazu had been a somewhat lowly family of fairly provincial status. Now, though, they had an excuse to expand their power and their stature, one that Shimazu Sadehisa took. In particular, one of the nearby samurai families was of Southern Court persuasion, and Sadehisa took the opportunity to go to war against them. In the process, in 1134, he took Tolfukuji Castle, that fortress on the west coast of Kagoshima Bay that laid the groundwork for modern Kagoshima City. At the time, this was but one move in a series of moves. Sadehisa named his son and heir Castellan of the Fortress, and then moved on to greener, or I guess bloodier, pastures. However, given Kagoshima's eventual significance as the heart of Shimazu power, I think it's worth highlighting. The period of the Ashikaga Shogunate and of the wars between the Northern and Southern Imperial Courts are particularly interesting ones for the context of us in this episode. Over the next 100 years, the Shimazu clan would split briefly in half, with two of the former daimyo's sons breaking up the clan's possessions and dividing the family into two separate but related Shimazu clans. But one of those branches would later be destroyed and reconquered by the other branch, reuniting the family. At the same time, the Shimazu would remain mostly loyal to the Ashikaga, but would turn against one of the military subordinates of that family, and a man I really should talk about at some point, Imagawa Ryoshun. Imagawa tried to gather the three most powerful samurai families on Kyushu, the Otomo, Shoni, and Shimazu, and unify them for an attack on the forces of the Southern Court, but suspected the head of the Shoni family of being a Southern Court supporter, and had him poisoned. This infuriated the Shimazu, who had vouched to the others that Imagawa Ryoshun was a trustworthy man, and they went off to lead a rebellion that eventually resulted in Ryoshun being recalled from Kyushu. In other words, politically, this is a time when a lot happens. Yet at the end of it, the Shimazu are in a broadly similar position to where they started. They're one of several powerful families on this remote island. However, they were not just a remote island family. The Shimazu also ended up embroiled in military conflicts with southern court families not based in Kyushu. At one point, in the 1380s, Tofukuji Castle was actually attacked by naval forces from as far away as the Key Peninsula in central Honshu. If you're curious, the castle held out, but the experience and the clan's growth convinced its leadership of the need for modernization. In 1385, the family moved its seat from Tofukuji Castle to a site next door the slightly larger Shimizu Castle. Really, there's only one more thing I want to note about this time period. 
that's despite the fact that by the 1400s the Shimazu were very much a Kyushu family, they maintained a strong connection to the mainland. They continued to engage politically and culturally with the center of Japanese culture in Honshu, marrying into established political families like the Konoe, and patronizing the latest forms of art. In other words, the Shimazu were establishing themselves as a major family not just regionally in Kyushu, but across all of Japan. Their stature would be further enhanced by the chaos following the collapse of the Ashikaga Shogun's authority. When the Ashikaga lost control of Japan during the Onin War, regional lords, the Shugo Daimyo, who had ruled territories on behalf of the Ashikaga, often went down with them. In particular, many of the Shugo Daimyo resided in Kyoto with the Shogun and not in their home provinces, and thus commanded very little loyalty from the populations they supposedly ruled. Many, after the Ashikaga lost control of the country, found that the deputies they had appointed to rule in their name had turned against them, or that those deputies had been overthrown by local warriors uninterested in taking orders from some distant and unknown lord. In place of the shogunally appointed Shugo Daimyo, a new type of lord rose to power, the Sengoku Daimyo, the warlord of the warring states. These were members of the samurai class who commanded their territories not based on the fact that they enjoyed the shogun's approval, or the correct family pedigree, or the right political allies. Instead, they ruled because a. they were charismatic and popular enough with the samurai who served them, and b. they proved competent to defend their territory. The Shimazu, however, were among a group of Shugo daimyo who successfully navigated the translation from the old to the new. They were not unique in this company. A few other families, like the Imagawa and the Takeda clans, managed to weather the transition. It is, though, a testament to just how ensconced in Kyushu the Shimazu had become that this clan of ostensible outsiders had become such a fixture. In fact, the Shimazu not only survived, but thrived in the Sengoku period. To be fair, it didn't seem immediately obvious that would be the case. The 11th family head, Shimazu Tadamasa, was the family's leader during the early Sengoku period, and he was successful in fighting some of his enemies, but also faced a rebellion by his vassals, one that he was unable to put down successfully, a failure that likely contributed to his decision to commit suicide in 1508. To be fair, it's not like Tadamasa was a total incompetent. In particular, he's credited with one of the great intellectual watersheds in Shimazu history. In 1478, he invited the Chinese-educated Neo-Confucian scholar Keon Genju to lecture in Kagoshima, and eventually to settle the city. Now, it's quite possible that what Tadamasa liked about Keon Genju was not his political theories about the correct nature of harmonious social order, but the fact that someone who was Chinese-educated as he was, was potentially useful in setting up trade links with China. Even so, the decision to work with Keon and to let him set up shop in Kagoshima would have pretty profound ramifications. Keon Genju would, under Shimazu patronage, complete some of the first Japanese translations of the work of the Neo-Confucian sage Jushi laying the groundwork for the Edo period flowering of Japanese Neo-Confucianism. Keon Genju was also a Zen Buddhist, and his unique combination of Zen and Confucianism became the intellectual fountainhead for a uniquely Satsuma domain version of Confucianism. 
The Satsunan branch of Confucianism, a name combining the Satsu of Satsuma with the character for South, as in Southern Kyushu, would become the defining intellectual stream of Satsuma samurai society. However, this intellectual contribution would not save the Shimazu from their rebellious retainers. That same rebellion that led Tadamasa to despair and likely suicide consumed his son and heir at the tender age of 27, when he fell during a siege by said rebels. Tadamasa's second son was a bit of a non-entity, who died at the young age of 23. His third son ended up being deposed in a secession dispute. So you might say things were not looking up for the family at this point. Four daimyo in a row who verged between harmless non-entities and outright incompetence. However, it was at this moment when the right man saw the right set of opportunities line up in front of him. That man was Shimazu Takahisa, the adoptive son of that third son who got deposed in the secession dispute. He was adopted from another branch of the family and had always been a Shimazu, but the adoption put him into the family's leading line and thus gave him a claim to leadership. Takahisa and his sons would be the one to take the Shimazu family to the position of contending for national power. Takahisa came to power in 1526 and spent the next 10 years reasserting his authority over the traditional Shimazu territories, culminating in the recapture of Kagoshima and Oshimizu Castle in 1536. He then turned outward, looking to conquer nearby territories and expand the family's holdings. His military bent was given a fortunate boost by a happy accident of geography. For during his reign in 1543, the first Europeans, specifically Portuguese, to arrive in Japan blew ashore on Tanegashima, an island to the south of Kyushu ruled by the Tanegashima clan, who were in turn vassals of Shimazu Takahisa. That meant that Takahisa could get in on the ground floor of the new technology Europeans introduced to Japanese warfare, the arquebus. Only six years after the arrival of the Portuguese in his domain, Shimazu Takahisa was deploying arquebuses en masse in his battles against his neighbors. That same year, he met with probably the most famous European of his time to come to Japan, Francis Xavier, later to be canonized as a saint for his work on behalf of the Jesuit order of the Roman Catholic Church. These things, missionaries and guns, tended to go hand in hand at the time. Portuguese and Spanish merchants who would sell you guns always came with missionaries who wanted permission to spread the good news in your territory. Shimazu Takahisa decided to allow missionary activity in his territories, and even permitted his vassals to convert, though unlike some of the Kyushu lords, he never converted or encouraged missionary activity actively. Takahisa's strategy was instead to allow the missionaries enough freedom of action to ensure a steady supply of guns, but always to keep their presence controlled. At the same time as he was expanding the family military arsenal, Takahisa also established a new clan headquarters. Shimizu Castle was still perfectly functional, but was too far from the actual bay, it was up in the hills, and thus not convenient to the port that was growing up in Kagoshima Bay. So he moved the family to Uchi Castle, within the city of Kagoshima itself. By the time Takahisa decided to retire from lordship over the family in 1566, the Shimazu family was a major player in the power politics of late Sengoku Japan. Takahisa retired into the Buddhist priesthood, 
a pretty standard thing to do at the time. And he left behind him a Satsuma domain that was wealthier than it had ever been, and a Shimazu family with an ever-growing military strength. In particular, the geographic size of the territories he'd brought back under the family hold, combined with their agricultural wealth, meant that the Shimazu were able to weather one of the most important military transitions of the Sengoku rather well. Warfare in the Sengoku era shifted away from the old model of small units of highly elite cavalry and towards a model centered on large numbers of cheap infantry. Large infantry armies were cheaper than old cavalry-led forces and were far more flexible both for field battles and sieges. Cavalry don't tend to make great siege armies because hauling around all that siege equipment negates their speed. Not every domain had the wealth to field these large infantry armies, which is why the late Sengoku era saw so many smaller domains absorbed by larger ones. But the Shimazu did. And in 1566, leadership of the domain and its powerful army passed to a man who would take it from his father to make Satsuma one of the greatest forces in Japanese politics. But that's something we'll get to next time. For now, that's all for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Special thanks this week to Asuka Hansen for donating to support the show. To join them, to find out more about this week's episode or any other episode, or to submit ideas for future episodes, check out the podcast webpage at www.isaacmeyer.net, that's I-S-A-A-C-M-E-Y-E-R.net, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash historyofjapanpodcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time when we continue the legacy of the Shimazu family.